Sean, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. No, it's it's, it's honestly a pleasure of mine, especially talking to you. <laughs> ne- next Australia Strongest Man, what do you think? Yeah, look, we're uh, about a week out, so yeah. Look, training's gone well. Prep's been good. Uh, I'm feeling good. So look, yeah, obviously that's that's the plan, but the lineup this year's massive, massive. Strong. Very strong lineup. I think this year, in all honesty, I think it's going to be the one, one of the best years competitively for, for us as competitors, but for the audience as well and the spectators, it's going to be one to watch. Across the board, the men and the women, stacked lineups. Yeah. So in this competition, what are the um, what are the events? Do so, you know? Yes, I do. Now you're going to test me. Because I know the sometimes they like and to keep nah, it a look, secret. We, we know these. So it, this is in no particular order because my memory is shocking. Uh, but we have a 450 kilo yoke for 20 meters, so 10 up, How 10 much? back. 450. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, it, it's still a, a heavy yoke, but yeah, I've run, I've run 500 before in a cup. Right, uh, okay. Uh, which, uh, <laughs> I suppose, uh, sometimes you brush these numbers off and, yeah, when other people are shocked. Yeah, well, I'm an 80 kilo man, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, bit of a difference. Yeah. Anyway, events. And then we have, I'm trying to get these in the right order. Uh, next event is a max axle press, so floored overhead on the axle. Three attempts for a max. You can pick pick when you come in I think the first option the minimum is 140 mm-hmm. yeah so that, that'll be that one that's not a bad event yeah look there's, there's not a lot to say about that I think you, it's when you're training for something like that it's very similar to kind of training for a powerlifting meet you know you, you're working up towards a peak um, for a, a max single you kind of have your plan in place your number set where you're going to start and where you hope to end. So, yeah. Um, after that, we have got a tire flip, um, five flips, fastest time. I think the tire is about 400, I think. What's the time for the flip? Do you, uh, is there a time you have no, to No, it was or? just fastest time. Okay. Um, so we've got five flips in total, fastest to complete all five. Mm-hmm. We'll win that. Uh, next event. Uh, we got a stone carry. A so, stone carry. Yeah, so it's it's a bit of a take on the Husafell stone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one that's been made here. Um, I've actually done it already at the AS International Pro Show in January. <laughs> it's a, it's a challenge. It's one seventy. Yeah, it's about one hundred and seventy kilos. It's a funny shape. It's kind of small and dense. Pickup's pretty hard. It's slippy. That was something um, I noticed the last time I had it. But yeah, not again, just picking it up and just keep walking to yeah. So with that stone, is it kind of like a I know there's like a coffin carry. Very similar. Very similar. So the stone is of a similar shape, but in compared to some of your standard coffins or shields, they're kinda of more wider and slightly taller. Mm. You know, this is a bit more narrow, it's a bit more dense. It, it's a bit more of a unique kind of pickup. It's pretty low, mm-hmm. and kind of because you have to get down a one wrap around it, makes it a bit difficult. That was something that you know quite a few struggled with in, in January at the pro show. Mm-hmm. Was the pickup was the letdown? You know, anybody that didn't waste a lot of their energy picking it up actually travelled a decent distance with it. 
So the method with picking it up, could you kind of use the method of, so you know that Scottish event where they go to pick up the log? Not really. It, it, like it's a cross somewhere between, I suppose, picking up an atlas stone and, and picking up a sandbag. You know, it's it's you're always picking it up kind of upright. Mm. Um, kind of bear hug kind of technique. You know, some people are lucky if they've got long arms and they're able to get wrap their arms and interlock and, and that keeps you pretty secure. But it, it's just, it's one of them events that it can go kind of either way. You know, it, it can be a really good event for you. And, and on the day, a couple of minor stuff ups. Mm. And uh, it can go horribly wrong for you, you know. So it's an interesting one. I've, I've had ups and downs in it in, in the past. Um, I've had very successes in, in, in this event. In January, it didn't go as well for me. The pickup was more difficult than I anticipated. I, I just spent a lot of energy getting it up, getting it up to my chest. And then by the time I got moving, I lost a lot of air and spent a lot of energy. So I didn't, I think from memory, I might've put like 15 meters or something, mm. which was a bit of a disappointment because I'd been putting up way more than that in training. What's the weather like on the day? Because I know when it comes to weather, especially using tacky and stuff, trying to pick up stones, it's going to make uh, a huge difference. <clears throat> I haven't looked, to be honest. I know it's heating up a bit this coming week. Mm. Uh, I was checking earlier for work reasons, but I haven't looked at the weekend, to be honest. I, I try not to get too wrapped up in what's the weather doing and all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we we can't control the weather. Mm. Um but you can't prepare you, for it. You can prepare. Look, you can control the parameters that you can 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 control. The weather's not something we can control. And I think, for me, I just carry all different types of tacky, um, all different weather tacky, just to be safe. This event, we're not allowed tacky. Um, what? Yeah. yeah so. Is that uh, right? Is that a normal thing? Yeah, in, in that side of event, yeah, very much so. Yeah, because it's a stone carry, yeah, it'd be very rare that you'd be allowed tacky. What about chalk? I know chalk. Chalk, yeah. I mean, it, it can help dry up the skin a yeah. bit, so you're not sweaty. But chalk, chalk's allowed. Liquid chalk or normal chalk, yeah, all that's allowed. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah, it's 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 a good event. Mm. Good event. It's, it's a very entertaining event to watch. I've noticed you've been training your deadlifts a lot too lately. Is that an event in the competition? Or is that yeah, something? we've got a max day two. We've got a max deadlift um, in there. Mm. So yeah, I've been, I've been pushing hard. Pushing hard in the days, I want, I want to, I want to take off that four hundred uh, this year. Um, I'm close. I'm close. Isn't it insane that, like, what if you go back, maybe ten? Where are we? Ten? Yeah, probably ten years ago, maybe thirteen years ago. Four hundred even seemed like so much weight. So much weight, even at the top tier level. But yeah, now, it's at at the top level. Like, if you were to go back to. Isn't it like 2010? That would have been Magnus, uh, Magnus for Magnuson and all that. Like if you were to go back to, like yeah, probably that that era, like 10, 11, 12, like that deadlift record. Then now you don't quote me on too much of this. I'm not not the greatest historian, <laughs> but uh, I am gonna take a punt there to say like around that time the deadlift record was probably around 400, 410 kilos. Yeah. Yeah, and yet here you are preparing for a 400. I know, like, it, it's funny how much the sport has evolved and how much stronger people have gotten. And I think that's to do with a lot of things, like, obviously, training methods and stuff. 
mm. have evolved through the years. You know, people are able to train smarter, not as sore in the body, but yeah, there's, look, there's a lot of factors, but <clears throat> it, it's nuts to think, yeah, for sure. Like when you look across some some of the lifts and the numbers now that are expected at a, I suppose that like, uh, oh look, there's not a lot of levels in strongman. It's like novice, and then yeah, you get to play with the big stuff, hmm. you know. So there's not like uh, a lot of levels to climb. But even looking at some of the the more local or or even say intermediate uh, level competitions, like the numbers are right up there, right up there. Um, like I. I had a friend of mine down there a couple of days ago with on deadlift session. He competes in under one hundred fives, and like their their national final is on. Uh, it's about five weeks time in Toowoomba in Queensland, and like their opener for their max deadlifts two hundred and seventy kilos. And how much did he weigh? He competes under one hundred five. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's really heavy. But there's there's under one hundred fives here pulling. 380 shit plus yeah shit <laughs> it, it's absolutely it's absolutely nuts it, it like f- it's phenomenal like you said like you, you rewind back to then and a 400 kilo deadlift was that was a as you said it was a record was one record territory it was the best in the best in the world and now and now like yeah look the world record obviously sits at 500 kilos um now you're looking at competitions where they have a max deadlift uh, and the opener's 400. Mm. Well, that's the same with Atlas Stones as well. I mean, Brian Shaw, he had the Atlas Stone record and I think it was at, what do you have? It was 500 and something pounds or so, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it was around, again, how these numbers float around my head all the time and then when you need them, they're not there. Yeah, well, it was but, in, Yeah, it was around that 500. And, Mark, then it, and then it got broken by... Um, uh, Tom Stoltman yeah, has Stoltman. It. now I'm going to go and throw the kilo number out that he has which is 280 something yeah which I'm not sure what that is in pounds oh I'm a disaster no idea yeah uh, um, I, I'm not a mathematician I'm sorry no. <laughs> times up by 2.2 <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah anybody wants to work it out that's the formula well we're talking about weight how much are you weigh now uh, just one almost 170 170 yeah. Jeez, um, here's something about uh, strongman that I find really interesting, and this sort of falls in the weight category. Because back when I used to kind of play with it a bit back in the day, I, I used to eat a ton, and I was around 105-ish, and I was still eating a lot then. Yeah. But now you're 170, so you're adding 65 kilos on top of that frame. So what do you eat? How do you have time in the day? <laughs> Eating is... In my opinion, and I think a lot of the guys will agree, eating is probably one of the hardest bits of being a heavyweight strongman. Mm. Um, I think, look, the long and the short of it is, at the minute, I'm around about 8,000 calories a day. But, like, if you want to have, you know, Maccas for breakfast, KFC for lunch, and, you know, Domino's for dinner, then 8,000 calories is not a lot of calories. Mm. But, it comes with health risks too. It comes with a lot of risk. And and you're talking heavily processed foods that are hard for the body to process. So 
8,000 calories in that in them terms, probably anybody could do. Might be able to do it every day, but anybody can do. But when you got to eat these 8,000 calories relatively clean, then it's a lot of eating. It's a lot of eating. It's a lot of, like I eat seven. I eat seven meals every day. On a training day, I have an extra pre-workout meal and a post-workout meal, but the post-workout meal is just a shake, so hmm. it's not too bad. Yeah, so like that's a lot of eating times. But then you got to make that fit, uh, I suppose, what you do, because I still work, hmm. you know. So I'm up at um, just after five in the morning, have my breakfast at home, then I pack my bag for the day. So like I have meal two, three, four, and five while I'm at work. Mm-hmm. And then usually when I get back home, <clears throat> I'll have pre-workout meal, head to gym, train, uh, post-workout, as soon as I finish training, before I stretch off running, it, it's not a big deal, it's just a few scoops of protein and some pure carbs. Um, get that down, stretch off, cool down, get in the car, head home, then meal six, um, which is dinner, and then meal seven. That last meal you're having, how close is that before bed? Relatively close, yeah. Depends depends on the day. Again, because I have to work, my day is not like the most regimented day. Mm. Um, so like ideally I like to train, you know, around four thirty. I like to get my training started, say somewhere between four and five. And then that means I'm finished. Like if I get started at four, I'm usually pretty close to being home by like seven, seven thirty. We spoke a little bit about recovery before the podcast started. I'd say the best thing you could do recovery is sleep. That's sleep, why, by that's, far. That's why I brought up the meal before sleep. How do you find sleep, especially if you're eating so close to bed? Because trying your body trying to digest something while it's trying to get some sleep at the same time. I mean... There's a mixed bag opinions yeah. on that. Um, some say eat as much as you can before you go to sleep because that's your optimum recovery time and your body needs that fuel to mm. aid the recovery and all the rest. Some people say you can't eat that much and go to sleep because it affects your sleep. Personally, I don't like eating a massive amount of food and then going to bed within 30 minutes or so of finishing that meal. So like that's why I like to get back. If I can get home by like 7.30, it means I get that meal at by like 8. Mm. Then I can shower, chill out. You know, I'm, I'm aiming to get to bed like somewhere around 9.30, something like that. So if I can get that meal at by, by 8, that gives me like, you know, an hour and a half to kind of move around, chill out um, before I have to go and lie down and try and go to sleep. Yeah. Not ideal, not ideal, but I suppose not not much of it's ideal. you got to work mm. with what you have. How much sleep are you getting on a regular? Well, that's me getting in. So I'm aiming to get in by 9.30, so you can say 10. Um, my alarm goes off at 5, so what's that? Oh, so it's 7 hours roughly. Yeah. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, that, that's actually really good. I was expecting way less. Just to yeah. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, there is there is occasions like, like you know, we, we've got a, well, we should not have a baby anymore, but um, we do have a kid in the house as well, so some nights mm. get disrupted. Mm. Sometimes I have to be up earlier for uh concrete pours and stuff but on majority of the time that's that's usually my sleep sleep routine do you work your diet around your day job very much so very much so and now what i mean by that is convenience mm. so like uh for me breakfast in the morning meal two i usually has to be a pretty convenient meal um 
which usually involves blender and oats mm. and mm. you know stuff like that meal three is usually one that I can have a sit down meal um, and then meal four and five are usually blended shakes as well usually because afternoons are busy for me I'm either on the road or I'm pretty occupied on site planning for the next day and making sure everything's done stuff like that uh, meal five I'm definitely on the road at that point I'm usually heading pretty close to heading home um, meal six is dinner like I said there's on, on training days there's pre-workout meals added in there um, as well they're just extra to the normal diet and then meal seven is meal seven is kind of a dessert um, which you can just kind of knock off straight after dinner it's like a cheesecake something to play with uh, yeah pretty much it can be a variety of things it can be anything from yogurt peanut butter and protein powder to yeah, a couple of slices of cheesecake mm. ice cream depends on what's what's happening training wise you're a construction worker by trade right yeah. so you don't really have a fridge around to put those convenient how and if you're on the road for eight hours you see what I'm trying to get at how are you trying to how do you keep those meals you know uh, look so because bacteria spreads pretty quick now some stuff <laughs> yeah look some stuff is less than ideal um, I do I do have a fridge in the car um, for that reason mm. um, oh with, like a mini fridge yeah yeah, yeah just a car fridge um, with, with the blended means I'll make them the night before I'll put two in the freezer uh, and one in the fridge so the one in the fridge is normally meal two so it's pretty uh, it's pretty good I usually have it within an hour and a half of leaving home anyway um, and then the other two just kind of defrost as the day goes on one I'll leave out I'll just keep it in a, a cool bag or whatever um, if I don't have access to the fridge uh, and then yeah look that's it you're literally only got everything wrapped with uh, ice packs in an esky or else chucked in the, in the fridge in the car Re- reheating food is the more interesting one well you know they do portable microwaves now right yeah I don't have one though yeah. Probably should not get into it. Yeah. Because I, I eat a lot of food cold. It shouldn't be at cold. I mean, I don't eat anywhere near as much as you and even I was looking into. Uh, like, yeah, I do, I do admittedly eat food cold. It's not. Yeah, oh, look, I've done it before. You know what? Cold pizza ain't too bad. I, mean, I, gotta yeah, I don't get to eat much pizza. Uh, <laughs> I do eat it, but not, not that often. Yeah. Um, yeah, I seem talking like, you know, potato, mince, veg. Yeah. Not, not that nice cold. Mashed potato isn't too bad cold. Yeah, but, oh, I mean, if, if you have a baked to... potato, it's not too good cold. No. Yeah, it's really not. But I couldn't imagine. So you're probably getting at least a thousand calories per meal, roughly. Roughly, roughly, yeah. I, yeah. How how do you make up a thousand calories in potato? Because like, look, if I have a meal, because I still train, but not as viciously as I used to. But I still try and keep up my calories. So if I put like chicken and sweet potato and avocado or you know to try and have a good healthy mix of fats carbs and protein it'll end up only adding to roughly 600 650 calories so where are you still getting that extra yeah like you're just eating a lot so just a lot of, a lot of it basically yeah pretty much yeah. yeah so at the minute it's changing around we're getting a lot of uh, probably a lot of our calves from oats mm. at the minute through shakes and stuff well, like at a point there, it was over two kilos of potatoes a day. Like, mm, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, I can really imagine. Which is not, 
like I'll 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 kind of reiterate the fact eating is by far the, the biggest task. Mm. Like if you have to imagine eating I'm gonna say out of the seven meals I mean seven's dessert. You can eat that whether you're hungry or not, so we'll not count that. So say out of the six meals, breakfast you're hungry. Meal two you're kinda hungry. So like the other three, four meals, you gotta eat not hungry. You just gotta eat because it's time to eat. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't eat at this time, then that's gonna make it harder to eat the next one, which is gonna make it harder to eat the next one, which is gonna affect something, and predominantly that's gonna be training because the pre-workout meal you won't be ready for, so you'll kind of half eat it or you know make a poor effort of eating it, and then that's gonna carry over in your training. I do remember doing that back in the day my one one thing I used to go towards is uh, pasta a lot because pasta used to just be so dense in yeah. calories and you could easily smash a thousand calories of pasta yeah. without a problem but the thing is pasta is also really filling so getting exactly. it down is hard yeah. um, a lot of people say yeah I, I love to eat I could eat all the time but, yeah, I don't know about that, no, that's, that that's something I think that's one thing that's very hard for people to kind of grasp or to fully understand is like they'll say oh I wish I could eat that much and they're like trust me you mm. don't so again, and like somebody look at your day and go oh, I could eat that f- I could eat that a day no problem you'd be like a day is not a problem so when you get to like day three mm. that's when you'll start to really feel the ramifications in of it you know or you'll start to feel oh this is hard work you know so getting to more recovery stuff outside of sleep outside of food as important as they are but also one thing that I love to do is cold plunge or ice baths yeah look everything has a place Um, when it comes to recovery I like the the biggest thing for recovery is stimulating blood flow so you prefer heat so no like you can there's hundreds of ways you can stimulate blood flow walk down up and down the stairs That'll stimulate blood flow, go go for a walk. Mm. Um, massage, cold, hot. Lots of ways. Lots of ways to stimulate, you know, massage guns, uh, recovery boots. There's lots of ways to stimulate blood flow. And I think, uh, again, this is just my opinion, controversial it may be, but cold is good. Too cold, too much, not good. Mm. So, like, what people are kind of forgetting like there's lots of things you use cold therapy for um i suppose mental clarity is a big one mm-hmm. um but we'll stay in the lane of recovery so like <clears throat> everybody's aware of 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 the whole rice you know the rest ice uh, situation for you know st- mm. sprains and strains and stuff like that and everybody's bound to be aware that that guy came out sometime later and said i was wrong that is not the best method because what the cold does is the cold stops the inflammation. And without inflammation, the body can't heal because that's a natural process in healing. The body has, we need the inflammation in order to heal. So the extreme cold exposure for long periods of time that people are associating with recovery, the, I suppose the, the connection is made because you know yourself, and I, I, I use cold therapy, I just use, I use hot and cold. Mm. Because I think the the magic is in the contrast. But if you're to expose yourself to extreme cold for a long period of time for recovery, 
um, then you're starting that process or you're stopping that process. So you're actually kind of inhibiting the recovery process to a degree, to a degree. Um, so I think the, the magic is in the contrast between the hot and cold, and that's something that I I utilize a lot. Um, so like I, I recently got a sauna at home and I just jump between the sauna and- A sauna? Yeah. How much does that send you back? Oh, look, I'm sauna on a budget. No, it's not. Yeah, it sounds yeah. way That's, more fancy than. Yeah, I'd use a hot shower. <laughs> it's way more fancy. It sounds way more fancy than, than it yeah. actually is. Because for me, I'll just um, I don't even I don't even I, I want to get a, a portable tub. I was thinking about just getting um, you know those half wine barrels you ever seen? Yeah. I can get a full wine barrel. I was just going to get a half wine barrel, water, ice, and just jump in, and then that way I can just cover it every day. And then whenever I need it, uncover it, put ice yeah. in, jump in. Convenience is key. I, at the moment, like I'm, I'm doing something similar, just in a, a rather large bath, mm. uh, but it's not convenient enough for me. Uh, like when I say convenience, it's got to be a case where if you finish training, you can get your meal in, and then if you want to do some recovery, it's just a matter of walking in somewhere and doing it. You know, like um, that's what I like to do with the sauna. It takes like 15 minutes to heat up. So you can come and put the sauna on, go have your food, do what you gotta do, come back, and then you can do your treatments. Uh, like with the setups where you know you gotta get ice and stuff like that, it works, works 100%. But I think the convenience is not there. The, again, this is just me. Um, I, For me, time is so crucial because I gotta work, I gotta train. Like I said, I got a family, you know, I gotta, I gotta spend time with them as well. So like, it's got to be convenient. It's got to be like, all right, I got half an hour. I'm going to go do some recovery. So uh, I haven't got a solution yet, but I, I will hopefully soon get a cold tub, like a proper cold tub that's cold all the time at, you know, five, six degrees. So it's just a matter of flipping a cover back, jumping in, and you're able to do, do it efficiently and conveniently. How much of a longevity do you think there is in strongman. I mean, you talk about it in terms of diet, in terms of training, and age is one of those things where time only hurts the body more, and then strongman on top of that is just oh, hundred percent. It's not the most friendly sport on the body for sure. I think you got to be smart again. Like the points we touched on or, or briefly there was like your diet. Mm-hmm. you got to be careful, you know, you can do these things easier with the wrong kinds of food. Um, you got to be careful there. You know, you got to look after your health, regular checkups, get your blood work done, keeping an eye on, you know, look, there's a million things to keep an eye on, but, you know, your cholesterol, kidney liver function, stuff like that there, because obviously all these organs are just under so much pressure with the volume of food that's going through. Um, your off-season, you know, you got to utilize your off season to get the body in the best shape possible. You know, sometimes people think, well, my off season, um, that's my opportunity to get really strong. Can be, but if you're coming off a tough season and the body's beat up, the body's feeling run down, you know, muscles are sore, you, you can tell your digestive system's off, you know, you're feeling a bit run down, then maybe that off season's a bit more about getting healthy. You know, at the end of the day, there's no point in being minutely stronger at the end of the off season and less healthy because that's going to affect your, your competition season as well. So like in terms of longevity, I think longevity in the sport is unique. 
to the individual. Um, what about for you? It's hard to put a window on it. I, 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 I think maybe not so much a time thing. I think it's something you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. You know, you could say five years, you could say 10 years, 12 years, eight years. You can put all these numbers on, but I, I think it's more of a, something you're going to feel. You know, you're, you're going to get to a point where you're like, right, my body's just not able to compete at this top level anymore. And I want to compete at the top level. I don't want to take a step back. And then that's that's the point where you got to be like, all right, my, my time is done. Do you think strongman is worth it for someone who's not competing? So let's just say someone's doing it because they like it, but then they're still the eating, they're still the training heavy, and there's still the risk to reward ratio of it as well, I guess. Oh, look, I, I'm I'm a big advocate for it for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, like the health benef- benefits in itself, like if you're doing strongman and you're not competing, then like you, you don't need to eat eight thousand mm-hmm. calories a day. You you don't need to train. You know, for four hours, four or five times a week. You know, you don't need to do all these things that are really intense in the body. At the end of the day, if you're just doing something for fun, for the enjoyment, the health benefits, then your approach to it is very different mm. to what your approach is as an athlete or a competitor. Mm. So, like, I, I would be a big advocate just for the fact that it's functional fitness. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can go in, you can get strong with barbells, you can get fit, you know, running, cycling, rowing, skiing, all these all these things. But I think when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, strongman is very functional and it's something that you can carry over into your everyday life, into your job and back home to your family, where, wherever you want to take it, you know. Hmm. Try carrying a yoke for 100 metres or something, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I get it all the time, you know, uh, at the gym and outside of the gym and stuff. People will come up to me and they'll say, oh, I've never done yoke before or I've never done a farmer's walk before, but my deadlift is such and such. How, how, how Where should I start? I'm like, just start empty because that thing is going to hand you your ass so fast. Mm. You know, like just because you can squat 200 plus, I'd say just pick that up empty and pick it up with manners because it, it'll give you manners if if you uh, if you show it a bit of disrespect if you go in there with a massive ego that'll fix that right up for you yeah check your ego at the door especially when it comes to strength sports I um I've learned that all too well with injuries especially my back my L5S1 I'm, I'm even feeling it right now just from a hack squat that I did the other day I didn't even go that you know what I walked in the gym and I was feeling fine but maybe I was uh just a little bit off on the platform maybe I pushed a little harder off the right leg than I did the left something just went wrong yeah. but because I've got that injury I've got to stay so on point and focused with everything that I do that if I don't like man if right now I mean I've got a newborn baby at home and um, like if I'm if he's in my arms and I'm sitting down and I don't have to get up with him yeah, I know I'm really going to have to use a lot of strength in my right arm to yeah. push myself off the couch along with my legs and as soon as I get to the top I'll have to lock my glutes because my back it'll yeah. just yeah, that's what uh, Dr. Elias is for. <laughs> it's understand. He, he, he's magic. Um, no, look, I, I think for an everyday person, for fun, mm. 100%. Like, it's it's definitely worth it. Like, the risk to reward factor, is, I don't think is an issue because if you're doing something for fun, you know, you're not pushing the limits. Through, not truly pushing the limits of what your body can do. It'll make you stronger 
um, in areas that I think it takes a longer time to get stronger in a, in a normal gym environment. Mm. You know, especially doing like if you're doing sandbag picks or runs or you know you're moving with yokes, uh, farmers, um, different implements like that. Like your your core strength, hip stability, shoulder stability, mm. all of them kind of things that take a long time to build up. You're just going from A to B with a barbell. Mm. Will build up quicker. I think it carries. I, I I think it's something that should be. Probably there should be a bit more effort put in, to getting it out there, as a as a fun. You know there should be more opportunity for people to try, and I, I think. You know I think we're and we're responsible for this. We scare people, away from, uh, giving it a try because they'll come along and think, oh, this is cool. They come along and then they just see this big massive fella, you know, throwing around these massive numbers and beating his chest and jumping up and down and roaring and shouting and then they think they have to do then that. Then they yeah. think that's that's the the limits of it, you know. But if if you take a couple of minutes to have a chat to us, we're all just big kids. Yeah. Uh, outside of it, we're we're nowhere near as intimidating mm. as you would like to think we are. Um we're really quite the opposite, mm. most of us. Well, you know what? It's really, I think the strongman community is probably the most friendly community that I've ever met. Um, when I was kind of around it a little bit, uh, 10 years or so ago, and the few guys that I met, everyone was just so friendly. Yeah. And um, the only <coughs> sad part for me was is, so I was still really young at the time, 10 years ago, I was 19. Yeah. Oh, well, I turned 29 this year, so you could say 18 when I was doing it. So an 18-year-old, 19, testosterone through the roof. I I can admit that my ego wasn't always checked at the door, which is probably which is definitely why I ended up hurting my back because I would um I'd hit a PR on a deadlift and then the whole week I'd be thinking to myself, yeah, I can beat myself that next week. And I'm, I'm and, I, and I kept that mentality. I'm going to keep yeah. beating myself and beating myself. There's that mirror. I'm going to kick your ass. You know, yeah. I always looked at myself and then one day it just happened where my body said I don't care how you're feeling mentally I'm not feeling it yeah. I just didn't listen and that's something that I think especially today a lot more people are ad- adhering to whereas maybe they weren't so much you know a few years ago well, pre-internet because I think the internet's been pretty good when it comes to showing people how you should really recover you should really look into stretching ice baths heat yeah there's there's more the, the internet is a funny one um, because it's it can go both ways it's, it goes both ways very much because we have access to so much more information uh, whether information's right or wrong uh, then that's you've got to kind of work it out um, I think yeah having a lot of information there's a lot of good there's a lot of good guys in, in strength sports there's a lot of good coaches mm-hmm. um, that are well known and, and well decorated and the thing about these guys you know this is their job this is how they create their living but they're also so willing to put out information free you know to to benefit people and to bring the sport up and and just to give people a better opportunity and I think just touching on what you said you know that's something that I get asked quite a bit is about the age thing because I I didn't find strongman until and start strongman until I was like 29 Mm. So my uh, age, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. And I get asked it a lot. Do you wish you found it sooner? 
Do you wish he started sooner? And my my honest answer off the bat without even thinking about it is no. I don't because it wasn't the time. Mm. And I think very much like you, you just kind of hit the nail I on suppose, the head. Exactly. That if I had a found because I found other sports younger, like I cycled for uh, through my late teens, early 20s. So, like, say 18 to I came, moved to Stone when I was 22. So, say 18 to 22, I cycled and competed in that. But I was arrogant and cocky, and you know, the ego was definitely not checked at the door. And but then you can I had a, a plateau, and then it just needed work and I hit this plateau and then <clears throat> I kind of wasn't as competitive with the usual group that I was and then that was it I kind of just moved on from it because you know, mm. yeah, it was no good anymore so the answer very much has always been no for that reason and probably that reason only yay is it going to give me a shorter run on it who knows I don't know um, we'll just see what the body says about that but I think, I think a big thing for everybody is you got to listen to your body now, don't use it as an excuse not to push, because it's a fine line between listening to your body and and just using every wee off feeling as a reason not to not to push hard. Yeah, it's 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 a challenge. You're always riding a fine line between pushing hard and not pushing too much. And can I get into your get into your your competition, having known all the work's been done. No, no stone's been left unturned. But then, like in the last few weeks coming into comp, it's heavy training. You're pushing hard. Then you gotta like the last thing you want to do is break. You know, a week out, two weeks out mm-hmm. after putting in all that work. So yeah, look, load management, adequate programming, looking after your recovery, all them things are so important. I was always really worried about my biceps, to be honest, when I was doing strongman, just because of the. The axle, the stones, the way every time I'd pick up a stone, I'd always think to myself, this is the time when my bicep tendon is going to explode. And I, I just kept getting heavier and heavier. And I'm like, it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> I think, look, the body's a marvelous thing. The body will adapt to the loads and mm. adjust and all the rest. I think, look, in Strongman, I, th- I think it's uh, inevitable. Mm. I don't think there's too many top-level Strongman athletes that have got through their career and haven't tore their bicep no I mean it's it's gonna happen but yeah look obviously you don't want it to happen so mm. like you just again you gotta do all the right things like your warm ups are important bicep health is important like you gotta not neglect the bicep look after the tendons do, do the isolated work to make sure the tendons are strong and they're getting isolation work mm. so they can deal with the big loads your recovery exactly like I said before listen to the body you know, if if you've got pain there, you've got discomfort there, you're you're sauce about something, get it locked out, get the work done. Yeah. Have you ever had a big injury? Touch wood. Um oh. I've been lucky to this point. No, I haven't that I haven't had injuries. I've had like minor minors very minor tears and tweaks and stuff here, strains, which you're gonna get. Um I think the worst I've had of of give this trap a decent hair again that was that was done doing something that didn't need to do yeah so we didn't check the ego with the door that day yeah how long so sure that's a while back (laughs) Uh, no uh, uh, it was in my strongman uh, career so it's not that long ago um 
oh, look, a, a brief backstory in that we were prepping for. I can't remember what we were prepping for, but we had a side handle deadlift for reps, and I think it was the weight in the hand was around two eighty or something like that. So I would just been training normal conventional deadlifts because I had that coming up in another comp that I just wanted to keep in there. And like a strong deadlift, a strong deadlift. So we decided a couple of weeks out, three weeks out, maybe four weeks out, that we would just switch to the trap bar. So we had the side handle. I just run through some reps, get familiar with the position, dial it in. Um, 280 was light, smashing out reps. So we went to 300, smashed out reps. Went to 350, smashed their reps on 350, and then you know, a few of the boys were there, it was all good. So we went to 380. Ah, the boys, yeah, yeah. Uh, the boys, not the boys, well, it's my fault, <laughs> but uh, we put 380 on, we pulled a few reps there, and I, I tweaked it slightly there. A couple of days later, I was squatting. Uh, like I could feel it getting in under the bar. It was very uncomfortable. The next week I was doing conventional deadlifts and we were on our way to testing. On our way to just uh, t coming up to a test week, test uh, a few maxes. Um, pull 300. Like that wasn't, probably would have, wasn't anywhere close to a max, but I pulled Pulled 300, the best 300 I ever pulled, flew off the floor and just unlocked it and I rolled my shoulders. That's when it happened. Oh. Oh, not, not fun at all. Eh? Mm. The worst pain I felt in my life. Did you um, find strong men back in Ireland? No. Uh, look, uh, as a fan of the sport, yeah, it's all we've always watched. I think for us in Ireland and, and in the UK and stuff, more strongest man was always there at Christmas. And like, I suppose we're spoiled for choice now with TV because you got streaming services mm. and you got everything you can watch now but then there was nothing you just had normal TV and that your options at Christmas was reruns of Home Alone National Lampoons or World's Strongest Man so no matter whose house you went into you could nearly guarantee World's Strongest Man was on mm. and it was always I think five yeah, five episodes of uh, Heat and then a, a, a long episode then for the final. So it was like six six episodes and all. Mm. Um, so that was always on at Christmas. So you're always just fascinated by what these guys can do. So I always was interested in the sport, but I never, I never dabbled at all. Mm. Never dabbled at all when my time at home. It wasn't, uh, honestly, it was... Um, 2019 was my first endeavour in the strongman. So, but you start, you would have started cycling in Ireland though. Cycling, all my yeah. cycling was done in Ireland, yeah. yeah. So how did you, uh, wait, I'm trying to find that transition from cycling to strongman, that's such a. There's not a, there's not a clean transition. So just <laughs> a, a brief, a brief run on that. So like my sporting uh, accolades through kind of school, we done some boxing because friends were doing that. Rugby, uh, rugby, yeah, yeah, yeah rug rugby through school. Um, That's a big one in Ireland. And then when I started, I left school, started working. Sport came, I went to the wayside. I pulled tug of war as well. It's a big, yeah, that's a big thing around our area. Is it? 
Are the Denny Stones in Ireland or Scotland? Scotland. Scotland. I always forget. I reckon that'd be that'd be. I, I wish I could try now. I can't. I, I, I'd love to, but I think I'd end up doing a lot more to my back. Than I, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, every time, because I watched, uh, I've watched people on YouTube do it, and I saw on um, the World's Strongest. You know, had Brian Shaw, Eddie Hall, uh, Robert Burst, and uh, Nick Best, yeah. had a, and they did the Denny Stones. Even just watching them do it, it's it's. Uh, some, something I'd like to do at some point well you get your name in the book just for lifting the stones yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's something I'd like to do there's a few stones around Scotland there I'd like to give a go mm. yeah so then we done a bit of tug of war and then after that it was cycling and then I moved here I got a bike here for a bit I just couldn't get into it I didn't I just I lost the interest the interest was gone then I just done some normal training in the gym bodybuilding style training nothing nothing too hectic work was busy then for a period I done nothing what, what happened what what ultimately put me on the path to end up in strongman was uh, a back injury <laughs> which which yeah, I, yeah <laughs> I'm getting funny looks here but uh, what happened was uh, late 2017 so with work, I was work came here, started working for a company and I worked my way up through the ranks. And I was in the ship ended up in a supervisor role. So I was off the tunes for probably a year, eighteen months maybe. And uh, I was on site one day and I was having a conversation with somebody and one of the guys came past and they had a wheelbarrow. He's like, Oh, can you give me a pull with that? So I just reached it wasn't even heavy, I just leaned in an awkward position and grabbed the wheelbarrow. I tweaked something on my back. So I finished the day at work, I hobbled around and I got home. It's in a bad way and took the time off work, seen some physio, seen some care, we've seen a lot of people then got bad information. So we decided then we'll just go back we go back to Ireland for a bit of a holiday over Christmas. Actually working anyway, we'll just make use of the time. So I got to enough where I was comfortable enough to fly. Went back, was getting marginally better. Seen a guy back at home that I would have worked with while I was cycling and stuff. So yeah, he got me right. No, never really fully, didn't get scans or nothing, so never really fully got to the bottom of what exactly I'd done. Whether it was bad or not bad, I, I have no... Well, it no can't be that bad if you're deadlifting almost 400 kilograms. It, it, can't it was be enough bad. to keep me out of work for about eight weeks and all that before I was 100% again. In a conversation with him, kind of briefly described what happened. He's like, he's like, the best thing you can do when you're right is start training. You know, train again, build up the strength in the back, you know, build up strength through the hips, the legs. All of these things are just going to help make sure this doesn't happen again. Because it's what happened is you've been working for so long, and then the period you've been off the tools, that just functional strength is just gone. And it's like you've just gone to do something that you would never normally think about. But it was like that functional strength, stability, it's all, it's not there anymore. And he's like, that, that's what happened, you've tweaked it. And I was like, the best thing I can say is start training. So I came back, he gave it a few months, I was feeling good again, I started training, just normal strength conditioning training. We've had a bodybuilding style workouts and stuff. And I was working with a guy, and yeah, it just got boring. I was feeling good, and I seen a, an ad for a novice strongman comp, and I was like, hmm, might give that a go. And that was, my comp was September 
that was my first endeavour into strongman. How did you go? Well, I say comp, so I probably should use the word challenge. There was no. Oh, okay. No yeah. yeah. Everybody's your information was well posted. I think I done like forty something meters with a hundred and twenty kilo sandbag. Pulled two sixty on the axle. Shit. Yeah, it was rough though. Oh, wasn't pretty. For a first go though, that's really strong. Um, and we had an overhead medley. That was a ninety kilo barbell, sixty kilo monster dumbbell, ninety kilo axle, and a ninety five kilo log. The ninety kilogram over—that's that's, that's a, still a lot of weight for someone who's never really pushed in uh, strength before. It's not pretty though. It's not not pretty. <laughs> it's funny because last year, what did you almost bench it? Nah, <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, nah, it wasn't. It's not even that. It was. It's just ugly. Oh my god, no foot. No, it's ugly. But it's good to look back on because last year, that challenge was an Iron Revolution gentleman in Keilor, and last year I went there for the Victorian Log Dead Stone Championship, um, which I won. But uh, I put up a one one hundred and eighty kilo log. Less than three years. That was June. Leg drive? Bit of leg drive. A little bit of leg drive. Bit of leg drive. This is a bit prettier. Um, Yes, that was less. That was like, that was June. So it was like three months shy of three years exactly. Mm. So uh, that was cool to do. I pulled probably 180 log. I pulled a 370 deadlift. And the stone. I put up a 180. I probably should have loaded the 200. I, I didn't need to at that point. I was like, because it was, the, the placings were done on, on total. Mm-hmm. It was like a total system. Um, so once I had the 180 stone loaded, I, I had like a 30 or 35 kilo lead on the next person closest to me. Um, I, I attempted the 200, but at the time I was having trouble on my left bicep. I just want to puck up the, Broke the floor with the 200, the bicep hurt, and I was like, nah, it's not. It was the end of the season, last comp for the year. I wasn't going to blow a bicep for... I, I didn't need to. I didn't need to. I had nothing to prove. And if, if I was going to... I was only going to be loading it for my ego, so... Hmm. Bicep was hurting. It's like, nah. Tomorrow we're going to off-season. It's not It's not worth it. I've got it. I've got the biggest total. I've got the trophy. And all I really went there that day for was... was to put up the log and the deadlift. Do you ever get tired? So after you have a, because your job is a concreter, very physical, very demanding, do you ever just go into training and think, shit, I have no motivation right now? It's it's one of those things where, look, even I get it now after my regular day job, I going into training, I feel wrecked. Sometimes a pre-workout will help, sometimes it won't. It's one of those things where I'll just get some tingles in my face but there's not real I can I'll go in anyway just yeah. because I have that intrinsic push to go there but you know sometimes there is that voice in the back of your head where you're like there's always tomorrow man oh look I think if anybody sat here like if anybody sat here and said they didn't have them days they're lying if anybody sat here and said they didn't have them voices they're lying it doesn't matter who you are what you are you have everybody has them days everybody has them voices Everybody has some times where, like, I, I've got up at 
three o'clock in the morning, been on site for four. Concrete coming through the pump at you know four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Finished maybe two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Go home. Get your meal in. Jump in the shower. I, I find that now if day we really just. I'm struggling here. Flick on the cold shower, get in there, get a bit of blood flowing, come back out, you feel like a new person. Now, that's not going to carry you through a three-hour session, but it at least gets you in their mental space to get in the car and go. Um, I've done them days numerous times. And mm. you know what? See, some of them days that I've actually dragged myself into the gym, like trying to block out the head noise, they've been some of the best sessions I've put down, to be honest with you. Sometimes it is. I find... Um days that I'm really tired if I just pick up the weight and start moving by the time I'm at the end of my set I find that my mental space and physical space are, yeah. are locked in yeah, so if I've got let's just say a bench day and I'm pushing on the bench but I'm just oh, this, and I don't want to go and I'm sitting in the car and I'm looking at the gym and I'm, I don't want to go in there but I go in anyway and I'm dragging my feet to the bench, but as soon as I start just moving the bar on its own, and I go, okay, let's add a little bit more weight, and now I'm at, now I'm moving, say, 60 kilos, and I'm starting to move that. I'm like, all right, let's add more weight. Let's add, and before I know it, I'm over 100 kilograms, and it's moving good. Yeah, no, 100. percent Like, I, I think the big thing is people talk about motivation, and then the the common answer is, oh, motivation is nothing. Like, motivation is is something. We're all motivated to do these things for a reason. Like. Um, whether you're doing it for fun, whether you're doing it for health, whether you're doing it for your fitness, whether you're doing it for aesthetic goals, whatever the case may be. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it because I'm an athlete and I want to compete at the, at, at the highest level I can compete at. And in order to do that, that means i got to put in the work because you're not going to get anywhere if you don't put in the work. So, like, that's my motivation. What gets you through every single session, every single meal, every recovery day, gets you to bed, at nine thirty, you know, because that's your bedtime. Mm-hmm. That's discipline. That's discipline. Like, and if you don't have discipline, that's going to show at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, in some way, shape, or form, either you're going to get injured or you're just not going to be there. You know, you're not going to be up there if you're not disciplined enough. And like that's that's across the board. That's not just getting you to the gym. That's eating a meal when you don't feel like eating a meal. That's going to bed when something good comes on the TV you want to watch another episode of that series that's getting up turning it off and going to bed that's discipline you know that's coming home from work instead of going for the Friday afternoon drinks because you go to train in the morning that's, that's discipline that's, that's, the, that's the things that'll get you there I think the loneliest path is also the most successful path it's really unfortunate um, but it's just what comes with its nature um, if you want to be a top athlete or if you want to be I don't know a very successful doctor in anything and you really got to put in those hours and put in that work it's unfortunate but the ones that will really stick by you are the ones that you want to keep so the friends the friends that will just sort of you know see you putting in the work then kind of fall to the wayside because you're not coming out because you're not you know going for a drink and doing this and doing that they're the ones you know maybe they're not worth it but the ones that really stick by you and support you they're the ones you keep 100% um, I think look you'll be able to relate I'm sure at some point but like as you go through your life 
um, different life things happen. Your your goals change, your priorities change, your friend group circle changes massively mm. throughout the years. Like I think if anybody was to look back, it's there's not too many of your school friends that you're still in contact with. There is the ones, you know, but because their goals have been similar and their life has led them down the similar path, that's probably more the reason. Um, like people that will come and go. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's like anything, like you said, like if, if you're going to be driven in something, it's going to be relatively lonely. Um, now, I, I, I do believe like the balance Balance is very important. Um, In terms of family and stuff? Family and leisure as well. Like, Mm -hmm. you got to do things you enjoy doing. You know, it can't just be work, train, family. Work, train, family. Because it it goes stale. Um, You you need to have... You need to have something... Something else you enjoy doing. Or something that's a switch-off. That's not work-related. Not training-related. You know... And for everybody, that's different. You know that that may be a hobby. It may be something you like doing. For me, I I like to get a, get a camping trip in with the family. Mm. You know, I I for me, I'm I'm simple. I'm simple. Mm. I'm really simple. Yeah. I, I I like my favorite thing to do is spend time with my family, my wife and my daughter. You know, and if we can get, if we can get a, a long weekend or stay a few days, where we can just load up load up the camper, head away, just chill out, turn the phones off. You know. At least put them on silent and out of reach, mm. um, and just have that bit of time where we're just in the moment, you know. Um, that and getting trips back home to Ireland um, to spend with family—that that's that's my thing. That's what I like to like to do. I think look, I've done my party and enjoy myself when I was a lot younger. Um, yeah, outside of that, catch up with friends, you know, as much as as feasible, you know, have some good food. You know that kind of stuff. Um, for for other people, it's different. You know, maybe a different hobby. It can be anything. It can literally be anything. But I think it's very important. That balance is very important. I could not imagine sitting next to you on a plane. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm no, it's not, not <laughs> fun. We we were we were lucky. I I, I went back in October, past there, um, and I hadn't been for five years, so that was pretty strong, man, Sean. It was just normal, John, with a hundred kilos or hundred and ten, something like that. Um, which was not enjoyable on a plane either, I might add. But uh, <laughs> uh, this time was less enjoyable. When did you last go back to Ireland? So uh, October. October. Uh, just passed there. And how did how did that flight go? Like run us through it. I mean the seating. I mean you're a really big dude. I mean, uh, I, I, no, I've. Well, I sit in those plane seats and I can say I'm very uncomfortable. It's not. It's you're not double, comfortable. You're double my size. It's not comfortable at all. <laughs> like the the real annoyance is the armrests because they're so narrow. I mm. like the, they're literally here. I like <laughs> when they come along because you can obviously flip them up out of the way and yeah. that's somewhat bearable, but then sticking into your back, so it's it's a trade up. Mm. And then they come around, and then you got to put them down for like takeoff and landing and stuff. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. It's, it's not, it's not comfortable. But look, at it, it is what it is. It's like it's a, it's my choice to be this size. Um, so I don't, 
you see some people in that situation and they're just they're not happy about it and it's uh it's your choice so like you gotta you gotta take it as it is but yeah it's not not fun mm. we were kind of we weren't so bad because our girl is two she was just two and a bit then so like we had a get a seat buy a seat for her as well so like we had three seats then between me my wife and her so like we just put her in the middle so then we could just flip the armrest up and I got another half a seat mm. so it wasn't too bad in that respect I, I tell you what was the worst like the armrest and the side the discomfort and all that was was bad but it's like when they come around with food and the person in front of you is full tilt back I can't open the table oh, yeah it's yeah. so the table like won't fit mm. so I'm just here like T-Rex and <laughs> food like it's ah and then they, t- they seem to take ages to come back to get the rubbish like and like the food portion uh, that's, a, that's another topic oh the food on the planes is shit too Jesus yeah, Christ uh, it is again it is what it is you know what you're in for mm. but yeah the portions are small the uh, the whole eating situation is very difficult uh, it was funny I would imagine for people and then oh, so much is coming back to me now oh it's amusing for everyone that's around you the, to be the person I could not imagine the aisles um, I can't walk like straight up the aisles I have to sideways step because they're too narrow mm. so like when you're going on and getting off the plane you know the, you know, the panic everybody's in to get on and off the plane Nobody's happy about me shuffling up through the alleys. <laughs> I'm holding the whole plane up, and I'm like, "Well, I can guarantee you, no one's going to say anything." <laughs> nobody, nobody brought it up, but you can tell by the, you know the sign and yeah. you know the eye rolling and stuff yeah. that they're not happy. But yeah, oh look, it's it's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's, yeah. I, I still couldn't imagine being one seventy, that especially on a plane or in any narrow space. It's lucky that you're not, you know, you, you know those people that you're in construction, but it's lucky you're not, you know, working in narrow space. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's there's funny situations. Uh, even even at work, uh, I think it was last year we were on a job. We were working down a, a pretty deep hole. Like a manhole. Uh, well, it eventually it was going to be a manhole, but what it was, it was a launch pit mm. for a small tunnel boring machine. They were they had to put in a new sewage line, and they had it because it was fourteen and a half meters deep. It couldn't be open trench, so they had to use this machine to drill through for the pipes. So we had to go down there and we had to put on some concrete walls so they could drill through them so it wouldn't collapse around the machine. But um, so the safety procedure in that instance was when you're down the hole you have to wear a harness so that if anything happens you down the hole they've got a winch that they just that you have to bring down when you stick it's hooked on and then they, they winch you up it's a special winch that's designed it's geared it's designed for you know personnel extraction in that situation but yeah I can kind of see where it's going <laughs> it's, it's, it's only rated to 150 kilos yeah well I mean. <laughs> so whenever it came to light that I was uh, at that stage high up on the like mid range one sixties, they had to change all the safety procedure and just they, for you, just for me, Jesus and, they had Christ. A, and that meant having a crane on site just for you, <laughs> just, just in case I passed out down there. Wow, a crane and. Sorry, the so most of the access 
was access cages, which were fine. But then because the bottom in this hole, the depth kept changing because they had to put on an outcrush rock, depending on what we were doing. The last section was just a ladder. Mm. But most industrial rated ladders are only rated to 150 kilos. Jeez. So they had to get a different ladder. But while they were getting a different ladder, we had to use the crane to lower me into the hole. So this was all. So th- this is, there's some funny situations. Thank God it didn't cost me anything extra. But um, yeah, it was a lot of drama. Did they ever pull you aside and say, Sean, look, you know, we, <laughs> Don't go down the we're, we're, we're going to have to get you to drop like 20 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, that, that conversation never came up, thankfully. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was fun. Them kind of things are funny, you know. Um, oh, look, some of it would be good to get, you know, recorded and mm. and stuff. But uh, even for the last, yeah, uh, that was fun. There, there's been there's been a few a few work situations where like about to step on something or go on something, you're like, mm, I better just check this out. <laughs> that and seats and cafes. Yeah, or uh, smashed a few of them. Or movie theaters, because the movie theaters there fold out ones now. Yeah, actually, I didn't. Th- I've, I've I've been recently. I took my daughter recently, and I haven't had any dramas there. Just very narrow. Yeah. But the seat held up. But I've smashed quite a few cafe chairs. Do they? What What can they say? I mean, they're just looking at you, really confused. <laughs> Especially if they haven't seen it happen. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, I just want to let you know, I I broke the chair," and they're like, "Yeah." What do you mean you break the chair? What do you mean? <laughs> you get, so you get some funny looks, and then you have to really explain, and then they're like still looking at you, like. But how? <laughs> I sat on it. Yeah. So, uh, so now, yeah, you gotta do the test. And, uh, you gotta <laughs> or just real, get a booth. You gotta be real. Just get a booth. Well, a booth, yeah, or yeah, a pretty sturdy picnic bench or something. Like that, <laughs> yeah, you're safe, but uh, keeps what, it interesting. Whenever I talk to guys like you and other guys who are in the strongman industry, it makes me want to get into it. It's it's real. I hate that I've had this back injury because I'd love. It's one of those sports where you can really even if it's just a hobby you can really get into the nitty-gritty of it you can really get obsessed with it and never be bored that's I mean, a great thing that's the thing i found and like i said to you that's what led me kind of into strongman and, and like i wasn't coming in with the intention of being competitive or with the intention of bringing it to uh you know a high level like for me it was just oh this guy said to train and get stronger and then I was just bored doing hmm. you know the boring stuff hmm. just getting monotonous just and I this and pull it, yeah, and pull down just that ads. kind of stuff and like fair fair play to the lads like I'll, I'm not dissing on, on the bodybuilding training or bodybuilders or that their their level of discipline is something I couldn't do yeah I, I couldn't um, do it I had a one a good friend of mine Dylan Mendelson was on here he's a big boy 100 and I think when he was on here I think he was 105 and he said he was small and he is a big unit. Like he was telling yeah. me, you know, when he's bulked up, he's in the 120s. And yeah. He is a massive boy. Like yeah. He, but this is muscle. His shoulders are just out here. Yeah. He's, I'd love to get him back on here because he is a really nice guy to talk to. And um, But, yeah, the level of discipline they got in terms of eating all clean and then getting on stage, they're – so dehydrated and yeah. they haven't had anything to eat and yeah. odds are they've probably had like a little bit of alcohol to take away any sort of water that they've got left and yeah. they're just they're basically dying on stage the, the thing that gets me I think 
like the eating and the training and the stuff like that I could probably get through. The thing that I just I couldn't take is the fact that you're going through all of that to stand in front of a few people and whether you make it or not is based on their opinion. Yeah, yeah, I that's um that's something that got me about bodybuilding really. So for me it was all, and it's very political at the same time. Exactly, um, but if you're dependent on an opinion or something like that, no matter how hard or how well it's there's bias, there's always bias mm. in some shape or form. And so like for me I couldn't I just couldn't put in that much effort. Mm. When it's based off of somebody's opinion, for us it's either you pick it up or you don't pick it up. It's black and white. Weight you were lost. faster mm. or you weren't faster. It's mm. very rare. It's controversial, mm. you know. I so yeah, yeah, I admire, I admire, I admire them massively. Mm. The level of discipline that they can have there based is, off of that. There is one controversy that I want to get your opinion on because yeah. I haven't spoke to you since then. Oh, the five hundred one that was done now the controversy here is now look it's I haven't really got an opinion on it here or another but you're a strong man yourself if you had the record of just say 500 and then someone pulled a 501 but it wasn't in a competition mm-hmm. setting if you would, if someone were to pull a 501 that wasn't in a competition setting how would that feel for you that's a difficult one it's a difficult one um I can understand I can understand both sides of the argument I think the thing we need to look at here is not so much the numbers and the weight I think is the fact is I think for something to be held as a, as a record of that level I think the circumstances have got to be similar like the, everything's got to be very very the same I think if you're doing something in your own environment, that is maybe less um, taxing on the body in the sense that that's your comfort zone. Now, I'm not taking I'm not taking anything away from Thor. Uh, I I'm not on under the opinion or the impression that he done any less some people will say oh they didn't weigh they didn't do. as far as I could see everything was done above board it's 501 kilos he deadlifted it um, I just think for the world record situation like it wasn't in competition it wasn't with the same federation if you want to call it I don't know I honestly I, I don't know I credit I credit both of them like Thor's still done a 501 kilo deadlift as far as I'm concerned should it be classed as the world record I think we need to look at the terminology is the deadlift world record the Giants Live deadlift world championship world record or is it the strongman deadlift world record like that's the thing about strongman, strongman is not a standardised sport I think when it comes to world records and stuff and records of any kind it's very hard to say oh this is a definitive record in that class I think I'm not a fan of the records I'm not and I think a lot of emphasis has been put on records over the last few years and it's gotten more and more I think during Covid and stuff like that when there wasn't a lot lot to do 
brick and mortar records seem to be the go-to. Um, I think strongman as a sport, if we're just chasing all these records, I think we're not doing the sport any justice. Mm. I think full competition is where it's at. Titles is where it's at. Like if you wreck a record tomorrow, somebody can take that off you. Mm. You know, if you won a title, nobody can take that off you. You know, you were that guy for that year. Mm. Nobody can take that off you. You can hold that title for the rest of your life mm. for that particular year. What we're seeing now as well in competition sometimes is we've got, say for example, we've got a max deadlift in the competition. Usually with something like that, they have it as a first event or something. Mm. So we'll have a guy come and he wants to break a record. He'll compete in that first event. Then he won't do the rest of the competition. Mm. He'll pull out of the rest of the competition. I think if you pull out the rest of the competition, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be allowed to. Mm. You shouldn't be allowed to have that title. You shouldn't be allowed to take that record. Mm. It shouldn't be counted because you zero the rest of the events. That result shouldn't count. That's again my opinion. Mm. Controversial it may be, but um, I think you know chasing records is something we should probably pull back on. I think it's got to the point now where nobody really cares anymore because mm. it's just been chased so often. Mm. And there's so much talk about what record this, what record that. I think we just need to relax a, a while. Mm. People forget about it and then it becomes something again. Like Eddie pulling the 500 is... Like it, it doesn't matter what happens from this point forward. He is the guy to pull the first 500 kilo deadlift. Mm. Same way Andy Bolton is the guy to pull the first thousand pound. Mm. You know, it's like if you think yeah, any mental sporting achievement like the four minute mile all of them similar things you you probably don't know who holds it now but you know the first guy that done it mm-hmm. so Eddie's done that you know he's never got to stress or, or worry about that fact um, as far as look Thorpold 501 I think for to decide if it's the world record or not I think that's down to maybe admin or adjudication or whatever Mm. Uh, well yeah I think we'll just leave it there Sean uh, <laughs> thank you for coming by no and, uh, I'd love to have you on again uh, I feel like we could sure. talk a lot longer but it looks like this place is closing so uh, <laughs> we'll just leave it there thank you very much no worries thanks for having me it was a pleasure yeah hopefully we can do it again yeah anytime Sean thank you no worries thank you